This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. The Rise. The Rise. All right, so Mike, over the past couple of years, we've had some amazing guests on our podcast, and we've got a great idea coming up for all of our listeners. We were uh, thinking about trying to categorize some of these interviews, and, and one of the uh, big parts of my career, obviously, was the DEI days. We've had several people come in here and be interviewed and discuss their experiences. We thought about maybe packaging that into one podcast, sort of a best of, uh, but not generally a best of all the Dale Jr. Downloads, but the DEI days. That's right. I mean, if you think about it, if you take like the Michael Waltrip episode and the Steve Park episode, a lot of their experiences and vantage points intertwine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we have this idea. Let's get the, you know, the, the stories that Michael, the best stories and the best part of Steve Park and maybe Ty Norris. And let's let's get them together and maybe it can just give us another appreciation of of all of these remarkable stories and experiences that we've listened to on the on the download in the past several years. Well, today we want to share that with you. Um, we're pretty excited about it. Looking back on some of the great days in DEI, some of the struggles, some of the maybe not so great days. Right, right. It's good. It's uh, it gets deep. Those DEI years are deep. Um, so, and Ty Norris especially comes to mind on that. So, yeah, this is our idea. I, I'm eager to hear how people respond to it. If you appreciate it, um, let us know. I know. I think it's going to be a cool little uh, deal that we got going on here. All right, here we go. The DEI days on the Dell Junior Download. This episode is called The Rise. This is Steve Park. You drove for DEI for two years in the AC Delco car. I remember that team when Dad drove for it. I remember that team as Dad's sort of home family team with Tony Sr., Rick Bost, eventually Tony Erie Jr. Jeff Green got put in the car, had some reasonable results, but the team was still sort of growing, understanding how to run a full schedule because Dad never ran a full schedule with the team. You get in the car, uh, ran two years, got them to victory lane. You went to Nashville. Yeah. And you built a lot of the cars. You worked in the shop. This is a period of time <laughs> back then when car, you know, that you worked, you spent a lot of hours during the week working on the cars, right? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. I mean, uh, my background came from building my own race cars and racing up in New England. The Modified Tour made its second stop of the year at Thompson Speedway last Sunday. Pole sitter Steve Park took command right from the start. You know, so we used to work till 5, 6 o'clock at night, have something to eat, go to the race shop, work till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning every single night. That was just a routine that we were used to. And when I actually uh, moved down to Charlotte and went to work for your dad, um, I thought it was pretty amazing because, I mean, I was like, man, it was like my dream job. I can just get up in the morning, go to the shop and work on race cars. And this was awesome. And I think I told you, Dad, I said, I, you know, I just need enough money to live and, and a bed. Just put a bed in the shop somewhere and give me enough money so I can feed myself and we'll go racing and win a lot of races. And yeah, obviously, I guess like that, it made. It's so long ago, I can hardly remember it. But when y'all first came to North Carolina, y'all lived on Irvin Road in a house near where I grew up. Right, right, right around the corner. Yeah. When, when I first came here, I came in, in 94. This is Ron Hornaday Jr. You know, you, you, I, got, I got hired from Dale Earnhardt for $60,000 a year. But the first time he called me up, you want to hear the whole story? Sure. Yes. I don't know if I can. I might have to cry. <laughs> no. <laughs> you won't be the first one that's cried at that chair. You run the Southwest car. Yep. Last race, Tucson. No, not the last race, second to last race. Denny Parsons said you're going to be getting a phone call after this race. I mean. He said that? Oh, yeah. yeah he knew. Uh, well, the truck series was starting. I, nobody knew it out there. Oh, oh. Yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. knew with, you know, what the super trucks and all that stuff were coming. And people were looking for drivers. So I guess, uh, I think it was seven weeks or eight weeks in a row we raced out there. It was all televised, and I was fortunate enough to drive Wayne Spears' truck, um, Southwest Tour, Winston West, and some IMCA modified stuff. 
I won a lot of races out there, very fortunate. And uh, Benny said, you're gonna get a phone call. Well, long story short, every time I race, remember Larry Nastin? He passed away, he was with Mechanics Work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was with Mechanics Work. He was an announcer, radio type deal, every Monday morning. Ron Hornet, this Richard Patty. How'd you do this wagon? You know, it, it just tried to sound like he was, he, he was uh, <laughs> you know, like Richard Petty. Well, driving home, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. We stopped to get fuel, we'd call up the shop, and I said, hey, we got a phone call. He said, yeah, Larry Nassar keeps calling, pretend he's Dale Earnhardt, and we kept hanging up on him. We said, we're so busy trying to get this car done before you get back to the shop. I said, well, I heard Dale's supposed to be calling. He said, well, he called three times, and I hung up on him, I'm sorry. So they always thought it was Larry Nassar. <laughs> so we finally get home. It's an eight-hour drive from Phoenix to to where our shop was, and I pull in there and say, Dale's on the phone, Dale. I said, do me a favor, tell him to hold on. I go to the bathroom really, really bad. I mean, just drove eight hours, so I put Dale on hold again. (laughs) And he says, Hornaday, this is Dale Earnhardt. I said, yes, sir. What can I do for you? He said, you want to drive my super truck next year? I said, I'd love to. He said, all right, I'll I'll see you tomorrow. I said, you coming out here? He goes, no, you got to fly out here. I said, I can't. I said, I got one more race. I mean, there's only me and my brother-in-law working on my cars. He says, well, if you want a job, you're going to be out here. I'll have you a ticket overnight. And wow. Whoa. Tuesday morning, or Tuesday morning, we got a plane ticket, and I was flying out Tuesday night, and he picked me up at the airport. Long story short, remember your dad's poster, the good, the, the Goodyear tire in his tuxedo with the seven championship yeah. trophies? Your dad had that black truck, cab and a half, sitting there with his foot up on the dashboard with his trophies in the back, three of them in the back and four in the, in the bed of the truck because he went and did the photo shoot for that, for that. with his tuxedo. Oh, really? Wait, when he picked you up? At 9 o'clock in the morning. This so. is what he was dressed like? With a tuxedo and his trophy? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, knew, awesome. you knew where he was because there's 30 people in line waiting for his autograph oh. with his foot up there just signing everybody's. That's the first time Earnhardt picked me up. Not knowing, I know him because I talked to him with track, sure. shook his hand, not knowing, you know, how you doing, Mr. Earnhardt? You're shaking him like that, but... Wow. <laughs> what are you doing with those? Showing them off? Yeah. <laughs> you know, impression. that's what I'm thinking. But, you know, just driving in. I got my little backpack because I'm only staying for a couple days and I got to go back to, you know, Tucson. And he started driving up the road. And instead of going the interstate, he takes the old back roads. Going by Schrader's shop, showing me this, showing me that. You know, your dad is. Oh, yeah. He likes to show you the, the surroundings. But we're not going 45 with the speed limit. We're going 70, 80. So he's passing cars. Mm-hmm. And so he's going up. At the time, I didn't know where three was, Hollow Creek, Highway. Going up that thing, this black dually pulls in front. Your dad gets another run, goes around it. About the third time, your dad goes up there and runs in the back of this black dually. I'm like, oh my God. And this is a brand new Chevy truck your dad's driving. Guy turns in the street, and we go up two blocks, turns back in there. Look at I said, what was that all about? He said, that guy's dating my daughter. I don't like him. Wow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was your dad's other truck on the ranch. Oh, I didn't shit. know. <laughs> so this is the first time I got with Ernard. So we drive in a little, it wasn't even a gate. That, yeah, it was that yeah. sliding gate with the deer hitch up. Yep. He had the, the hay bale barn over yeah. there. So he drives in, drives out. There's a race car shop right there. I was like, wow, my shop's bigger than that. You know, he drives <laughs> in the back. He showed me all his deer. He showed me everything. Never, never got out of the truck. He just drove around this whole ranch. Yep. Pulls back up. There's, hey, your crew chief's in there, Doug Richards. Go see him. Oh. And that was it. Let's hear from Pat Norris. How did you create that relationship with Dad? Yeah, I, it's, it, 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 I've, I've thought about this, obviously, a tremendous amount because of what, what he has meant to me personally through my whole life. And um, I remember... So I started in 1990, and remember, Dale won the championship. I was there at RJR for almost five years, and he won the championship in 90, 91, 93, 94. And so as the champion, I was the representative for Winston. And so about a year and a half, we'd go up to, like, my first time I went up to the Waldorf yeah. and stayed in the presidential suite or didn't stay there, but I went up to the presidential suite and got him all doing all his media stuff, and that's what, that was my job, just kind of like getting from point A to point B. And he just kept saying things to me like, I really like you, man. I like you. I, don't, I didn't know why. I mean, he's much older. He's 14, 15 years older. And I was like, I'm not sure why he likes me. But that's fun. And um, so he kept telling me, like, in 1990, he told me, so you going to come work for me? And we were, because I remember it was specific. We were in a limo with a guy named Jody Davis, the catcher. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he was his buddy. Braves, yeah. And he was just like, he was like, man, I'm going to hire that guy. What do you think? And, I, and he was like, I don't know. And I looked at him. I said, you can't afford me. And I, was, I was knocking out 30 grand, you know, like you can't afford me. And he was just like, he, and he just kind of laughed. And we joked about it for years. Dale came to me. In fact, Dale came to me at Dover 
And he said, he came and pulled me off to the side and he said, you learn everything you can learn and I'm going to come get you when it's time. Wow. And wow. I was like, okay. This is Michael Walter. don't recall exactly why we became buddies but I, I know now what I what I believe was my, my big brother he, he gave me a last name but he didn't really give me anything else he didn't he never let me drive his cars growing up he, he just you know he told me to figure it out if I wanted to figure it out but he, he was busy and I, I figured it out and I'd made it to not only winning on, on the Bush series but nearly winning in the Cup series and I think that your dad just thought, well, you know, he, he got here, he did it, he made it, and nobody handed him anything, and and he appreciated that. Yeah. And he raced with me on the track, and he thought that I could win if I had the right opportunity. O'Reilly Auto Parts, man, they are in the business of keeping your car on the road. They offer friendly and helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. You know the jingle? Oh, yeah. We're going to do the jingle at the end of this. Nice. I can't right? wait for it. Yeah. So listen. Listen to the end. They've got thousands <laughs> of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your car. Need your windshield wipers replaced? A brake light fixed or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, they're friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto. Do it yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by. O'Reilly Auto Parts today, or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com. That's O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Ow! (laughs) (laughs) You better put that in there. Now that you know a little about the characters and how they got to know Dale Earnhardt, this is the part of the story where Dale Earnhardt Incorporated really starts to take off. The year was 1996. DEI signed a young NASCAR modified ace, Steve Park, to drive in the Xfinity Series full-time in 1997, taking over for Jeff Green. This Long Island native was tenacious in his driving style and his work ethic away from the track. Uh, It was like the first day or second day I was working full-time in this dream job. And it's like 4.30 and I'm seeing all the guys going to the bathroom. I'm like, I asked Tony Uri, I said, hey, what's everybody doing? Oh man, they're washing their hands. They're getting ready to go home. I'm like, man, it's not even five o'clock. And then I'm thinking to myself, if everybody leaves, what am I gonna do? Right. Sh- what am I gonna do in a shop <laughs> till, till one o'clock in the morning? And a lot of times I stayed because when I originally uh, moved down here, I actually lived in your dad's house in a spare bedroom for a while. And I can't tell you how many times it'd be nine, ten o'clock at night and your dad walk in and I'd hear the cowboy boots kind of marching across, uh, m- marching across the floor, and I'd look, and he'd be like, "Park, what the hell are you still doing here?" I'm like, "Dad, we got to race this weekend. I gotta, you know, we gotta get this car done. You know, everybody left at five o'clock, and I mean, your house is only right there. I could probably throw a rock and hit it, and I'll just walk home when I'm done, done working on the race cars." And he said, "Well, just, you know, you don't need to work all night long. You worked all day." I said, "That's what I'm used to." Dale made everybody leave at five. They got a family. Dale beat everybody. You you be here early, I don't care. But you're going home at five and have dinner with your family, Dale. That was always that way. And then we'd start working on his stuff. He'd work on his all day long. And then we'd go over there and reinvent the wheel. Sometimes make it work. Sometimes we didn't make it work. But we, we tried different stuff. That was so much fun, though, working in that shop and, and having Ron around back then. And I mean, things picked up pretty quickly. After that, I mean, I ended up getting in the Xfinity stuff, and, and he was winning championships, and we all got very busy, and the late model stuff went yeah. away. But the, well, those late model days, I wish I knew the fun I was having. I certainly Well, I would. mean, I, I've i always got the phone call from Dale. Get up here and see me Monday. How the kids do? Because I'd go with him, or if I didn't go with him, I'd go with Kelly. So the um, 
the shop that the truck was in was a, <laughs> was a storage was was you know where all they kept all the oil and parts and pieces and all the pit well, boxes. First, it was stuff. a hay bale deal, and they right. added the front onto it. Yeah, it was a hay bale building, and they they closed it in, and then started putting stuff in there. There was a paint booth in there, and the truck was behind the paint booth. So they yeah. pulled the truck in the shop, and then park it in a bay that was right behind the paint booth. They sat there and built that truck for weeks, getting it ready for the first race of the year. They were cutting the tunnel out of the truck. Across, directly across from them, about 12 feet away, I had my late model car, and I was doing the same thing with my late model. I was getting it ready for the first race of the season. I'd go over to that truck and watch them cut the, cut on the interior of that thing. And <laughs> my, my late model uh, shifter tunnel was banged up and beat on and hammered and messed up. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, I ain't, I'm not a fabricator. I don't know if I can tack in an interior, but I'm going to try. So I cut I, – I basically – Watch them build the tunnel of that truck, the shifter box and everything for it, and mimic everything they did to build the same sort of shifter tunnel in my late model car. And I ended up building a real good looking race car because I stood there and watched them build that truck. And then we went down to Myrtle Beach Speedway. To I, went, I took my car to Myrtle Beach uh, before the season started to shake it down, and Ron went with me. You remember that? Yep. I went with quite a few times on Pop. Yeah. Along grandma, Graham. Yeah. So I got pictures of me and you with that late model, no decals on it yet. Just me and Ron at the racetrack. I think Ronnie was there and maybe one other guy. Yep. But it was me and him, and we tuned on that thing uh, all day long getting it ready. You can tell everybody, hey, I was there when Dale Jr. won his first NASCAR race, and he did it at Purple Beach Speedway, bringing home the victory. Gary Hart, field of winners for his dad. Now, these are some of the most important years in building the foundation of DEI. It was being built from a garage effort into something much bigger. But before the world was awakened to the powerful DEI machine that was coming, Dale Earnhardt had to wake up his drivers. He woke me up at 4.30 in the morning every morning, and I begged Ty Norris to take me into a spare room in his house <laughs> so your dad wouldn't wake me up so early every morning because uh, I'd work till midnight, uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. And the way I was woken up, you know, a lot of people don't know, is he used to kick, I don't know if he ever kicked your bed, but he used to kick the, the end of my bed where the bed would almost rise up off the ground and slam back down the ground. <laughs> And he'd be like, Park, get up. I'd look at him like it's still dark out. And uh, he'd be like, get up. You're going to sleep your life away. He said, I got all these new deer. I want you to come take a look at it. So I was like, <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd have to go down on the farm, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. We'd go down on the farm, check out some of the new livestock he bought. And uh, um, and what are you thinking in your head when you're looking? I know you're probably going, oh, well, that's awesome, right? I mean, you're saying all the right things. What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking... You know, he's crazy for waking me up so damn early in the morning, first of all. And then I raced cars. That's all I did. I didn't hunt. I didn't fish. He'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, listen to Steve Parker. I mean, he'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go see what everybody's done and checking everything out and looking at cars. On Twitter, one of the fans were was talking about the red-headed stepchild, which is a race car that we had a lot of success in. Yeah. And you said, ask Dale Jr. who built that car. Yeah. I want you, maybe you could tell us. Ah, uh, that's that's funny because uh, that was one of the first cars that I had built uh, for DEI. And uh, uh, this, basically the story went, we went, we went to one of the big tracks. It might have been Charlotte. And uh, and then we were taking the, we were getting ready to go race at Hickory. And uh, we are taking the same car. And I said, if I know anything, I know how to get a car around a half mile because that's that was my background i knew the car we took to uh you know a mile and a half track was not the car we needed to run a, a half mile and uh so we went and we struggled and i think randy lajoy won with steve bird and um i went to dale and said man I, if i know anything i know how to build a car for a short track i know we're going to nashville next and let me let me have a shot at building a car so uh so we did, and uh, I think uh, I think we were using Hudson Pagan cars at the time, and uh, this car was built by Mike Laughlin and his group. And uh, they built the car, and we went and picked it up, and uh, we did the body ourselves on it. And the reason why I got the name the Redhead Stepchild was because anytime somebody worked on the car, 
Now remember the past story. I was there 12 hours a day. So anytime somebody worked on the car and they put a bracket on the car and I thought it was too heavy, I'd, I'd wait for them to go home at 4.30, 5 o'clock, cut the bracket <laughs> off. So everybody got mad at me that was working on the car. So everybody boycotted working on the car. And Long story short, I finally got the car done. And we went to Nashville to test with Tony Uring Jr. and Tubier and a couple of guys. And uh, uh, the car that we tested with for two days um, was pretty fast. And I kept begging them, roll this car out, roll this car out. So to appease me, they rolled the car out. And it was like a tenth slower. And then one change, and it was a tenth faster. Mm. So Tony Uri said, man, this, this car's pretty damn good, you know? So we took it back, and um, Dale came in the shop. and said every car we had was painted gray. Uh, the frame was painted gray, and then had the blue and red AC Delco and white body on it. He come in the shop, and he told the body guys, he said, you paint this car bright red, the, the inside. And uh, so they did. And I said, why do you got to paint it red? He said, because when I'm sitting in my motor home at one of the nascar cup races and you're running around in the back and it's got that red frame i know it's like <laughs> I, I know i know it's that car you spent all that money on trying i always to wondered why they made <laughs> that chassis red I, I, I thought you knew that no. and uh he so why. it was why. It, it was pretty funny because i mean he he was so smart he knew that he probably wouldn't be at the race the short track race and when he was sitting in the motorhome, he wanted to be able to see that red chassis. Either run, he, he swore it run in the back, and I swore it win the race. And, you know, thankfully I was right. Well, Steve Park, boy, what about a learning curve? You get out of one of those modifieds and win a race in your first season. Well, I tell you what, you know, I, I got to start off. I got to just say that this Chevrolet, this AC Duckle Chevrolet Monte Carlo was just flying tonight. Uh, you know, I'm real proud to uh, be the first guy to bring the AC Duckle Chevrolet Monte Carlo for Teresa and Dale into victory lane kind of emotional. My guys worked hard. Here's Tony Urie, my crew chief. He did a great job. His favorite race car, the one he won with at Nashville. He takes the victory lane at Richmond, Virginia. He called me in victory lane. He said, how's that redhead stepchild? And I was like, oh my God, that was the first time, it, you know, it was called a redhead stepchild because I would always complain, ah, no, we're not going to get it done. Nobody's helped me work on it. And he said, because you keep cutting everything off that everybody helps you put on the car, you know? So uh, anyway, just so, a just so a great that, story. That is the car you won your first race with. Yeah, yeah. won and, the first and race. You raced it too. Yeah, we, I won one in in ninety eight ninety nine. I think we won seven races with that car. car yeah. I mean, it was everywhere we took it. We had the uh, uh, the stepchild and then the step bomber, right? Yeah. Because um, we built another one, or Dale Jr. built uh, had another one built from Mike Laughlin, and it was supposed to be the twin of this car. Right. They won a bunch of races with, and they struggled with it. I think we ended up looking at it, measuring it, sending it back to Mike. They redid the clip on it, brought it back, and Dale Jr. ran it like 10 laps and said, all right, we're back. <laughs> so, yeah. I swear Dale and every deer head he had laying around the shop, it had a camera in it because he knew it was wrong. <laughs> but speaking of tunnels, I remember when we first won our first championship in Banjo, Graham was in there cutting the tunnel out and doing some arrow. He cut four trucks apart, did all this stuff, and Dale load them trucks buck up and take them to Hutch and Pagan. They were fast last year, put them back the same way. Ooh. So he didn't mind spending the money, but you ain't going to do nothing unless you tell them. Yeah. The stories are endless, and I know I've told the story before about, you know, being with your dad, and he always had, memory always had electric fences. Yeah. Every fence he had, uh, garage door openers on his visor. He had like 15 of them. And you'd come up to a, an electric fence, and we're coming down his dirt road, going back on the farm, and we're cruising along probably 50 miles an hour, and he's hitting all these clickers on top of his visor, and that fence ain't budging. And I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to time it. I'm like, oh, we're going 50 miles an hour. I'm like, even if he hit the brakes right now, we're going to hit that fence. All of a sudden, boom, the fence starts opening. I said, there ain't no way this fence is going to get all the way open before we get this truck through it at 50 miles an hour. So at the last second, I was seat belted in and braced up against the floor and if you know what I mean tightened up and I was like <laughs> I was like I'm like dad we're not gonna make it and he looked at me as that fence was open and he said you don't tell a seven time Wins Cup champion how to drive <laughs> and we went through that fence and you heard whoa, whoa and it knocked both mirrors off both sides of the truck <laughs> and I looked at him he had that half mustache grin waiting for me to say something because we did make it the things that didn't make it were the mirrors yeah so uh, oh my gosh <laughs> 
much were you hanging out with Dale? Like, I think you were friends. It sounds like you were friends for a long time. And I, from the surface, I, I, you know, I don't think you would take offense to this. I don't see a whole lot of similarities between, yeah. like, you know, most well, there's people. There's age difference. And... There's that, but most people always have a hunting story. They're like, well, we were hunting buddies, of course. I mean, right. I think that Dale had hunting buddies that even didn't go hunting with him. Yeah. If, if I may be honest. But you didn't hunt with him, did you? No, we would come come to um, go to DEI a lot and go to the deer head, head shop and, and do target practice, shoot shoot guns at targets. But I, I'm not a hunter and never was much of one. And I, I like looking at deers walking by. I never think about shooting one of them. And so <laughs> we, we certainly didn't have that in common. But uh, we we were buddies first. Like I would come to the farm and he would he would show me how he put up a a eight foot fence and there's deer living in there and built this creek and this pond and so I felt like I was a I was a, a Dale Jr. if you will. A lot of our great insight on the DEI days came from when we had Ty Norris on the podcast. Ty had several roles in his long tenure with the company. My memory of my impression of you out of the gate was one of dad's most trusted lieutenants, right? You're, mm-hmm. you definitely are, aren't overstating the relationship that you have with dad. And, and he looked at you as, as someone that was going to help him make this thing, what he wanted to, wanted to, wanted it to happen. And everything was going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It was, and things were amazing. Your dad had the vision and he just needed someone to execute it. And as a lieutenant, that's what I did. And I reported to him what was going on. He told me every day, like he would, your dad would always be like, no first. I'm like, well, we're thinking about this. And he'd go, nah, I don't want to do that. And he's like, why? And he was like, well, because we want to do this. And he's like, okay, now let's do that. So he would, he'd make you think, or at least maybe made me think. I don't know if it's that, that way for everybody, but he would go, okay, well, just kind of justify it. And, and so he taught me, and I always say he was the valedictorian of the University of Common Sense. Mm. And so he was just, street smart so and then business savvy of course and, and listen let's not all put him on the pedestal that sure. he was he was flawless the man was not flawless no. we all know that and we all know that in a big way um but he had a vision and he he let you get out there and get after it and go get it done and off turn four steve Park comes to the checkered flag and wins I tell you what, they said, hey, there's eight laps to go, you know, knuckle down, buddy. And, uh, you know, I just did what Dale would do and just got up on the steering wheel and drove this baby. So you had great success in the Xfinity Series, and I think that that team was poised, whether I drove it or you drove it, to win and do great things uh, going into 1998-99. And I want to credit you to the success we had with that program in those two years. I watched you move into the Cup Series, and we – from my recollection, we built a couple cars, had a couple races. It wasn't really that great. I was so apprehensive about how that cup team was going to do. I know, I knew, and I've learned since, how difficult it is to go from the Xfinity Series to the Cup Series and how tough it is to get good and competitive yeah. with equipment and people in the Cup Series, but y'all did it. Yeah. You went out there in the first year, and you won at Watkins Glen, and then you went to Rockingham in 2001 and won right out of the gate. Uh, talk about that experience and maybe were you apprehensive as that cup team was getting developed and built and those cars were getting built Um, were you nervous about moving into that (laughs) cup cup level and against that competition well you hit the nail on the head because uh, again you know spending the time with your dad we'd you know I'd go to a lot of tests uh, that were close uh, Darlington Rockingham uh, Charlotte and I would just go with him and he just wanted me to wear a headset Listen to how the driver and the crew chief communicate because that's you know what you're going to have to learn how to do as as you move from the nationwide to the Cup Series, and uh, it was so funny because I was just running my first year in nationwide, and and we were running good and we were coming home from Charlotte Motor Speedway and I was driving and your dad was kicked back in the passenger seat and he out of the blue he just says uh, he said if you were going to run a Cup race where would you want to run it I says. Dale, what makes you think I'm ready to run a cup race? Mm. He says, well, what makes you think we're ready to build a cup car? I was like, <laughs> I was like well, you got a point there. And, uh, and it, is, it was that uh, 
factor of realizing, hey, you know what? You grow with us, and we'll grow with you. Oh, Donnie, you have got yourself one talented little boy. Steve Park takes the white flag. And he just, the sports changed so much, but those times, I mean, you can remember, Junior, those times we used to have so much fun because we'd work hard, we'd race hard, and then, you know, we didn't travel in airplanes. We traveled in team vans. And, and, and Sonny, who's no longer with us, and we miss him dearly, uh, you know, he used to be the truck driver, and he used to drive the team van, and we'd get in the team van, and um, he'd have a he'd have a couple six packs of Budweiser sitting in there, so we'd all have something to drink on the way back to the hotel and stuff. So, it's it's just different. Yeah. It was more like you know we all we all had each other's back. Yeah, and uh, and you know nothing is more rewarding than to win races, not only from a driver's standpoint, but you know the Yuris and and all the guys that were. That were building the race cars and doing the bodies, and I remember, you know, when we moved into the new shop, it was the it was the nationwide car, uh, or the Bush car, and then uh, Ron Hornaday's truck team. That yeah, truck oh, team. that's right. Wow, so yeah. we, you know, if you look at that shop today in comparison, you think well, we ran we ran a truck truck team and a nationwide team out of that shop. Yeah. So. Yeah. We found a lot of enjoyment kind of recalling how Dell Jr. even got into that Xfinity Series ride, Bush Series at the time, uh, that, that he took over for you, basically. Now that I'm hearing yours, you had a lot of pride and ownership in those cars. So what do you recall of hearing that Dell Jr. was going to take over that ride in 98? It was excitement. I mean, uh, how did you find out? How did you know? Uh, Dale probably told me. I mean, not Jr., well, but Sr. Nice. You know, Dale's just like, you know what, we got a brand new team, we're going to be building cars, you know, we're, you, you're new to this, you're still learning, so let's learn with this new technology in the Cup Series, and then we're going to take Dale Jr. and move him into the, into the Bush or Nationwide Series. Dale Jr. made his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut at Myrtle Beach Speedway on June 22, 1996. Dale Earnhardt Jr., congratulations on your first Bush Series start. What about it today? Can you run up front, possibly win this race? Well, uh, you know, we're sure going to try. We got a, uh, we got a But it wasn't until episode 258 of the Dale Jr. Download in 2021 with Danny Earnhardt Sr., who we regrettably lost a few months later, that we found out there was so much more to the story of how Dale Jr. got starts at DEI that eventually led to a full-time ride in the Xfinity car. Correct me if I'm wrong, were you part of the persuasion of Dale getting the opportunity to get in that car? No. You were not. You were just telling us a story. Who was, Dale never knew he was getting a, an opportunity to drive that number three AC Delco car. Well, maybe it's because I called, called his dad and told him he could drive. So you were in car. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Well, where were you, weren't you? When he ran Myrtle Beach. When he was at Myrtle Beach, and I actually seen him race at Myrtle Beach. In a late model. In the, no, in the, oh, in the, in, in the in, bush car. In a bush car, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, he got cheated out of having a good pit crew, which is, that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, buddy kind of deal, whatever. I called Dale the next morning. I said, you better, that boy can drive a race car. He said, oh, you can't go buy one race. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell him nothing. No. But I guess the rest is history, so. can drive and I am not kidding you he is passing guys on the outside the inside he has probably got a top five car here if you can ever get rid of some of this traffic catch a couple of cautions on the right spot he may very well be able to get that lap back he has impressed me immensely today he's really putting the hammer down trying to get by though shouldering his way by Tim Fedor there as the cars race down into one and two but you thought enough of him to make a phone call I did and tell him mm -hmm. but he said no he said, oh, you can't go by that. I think it actually did, though, make a difference, don't you? Probably did. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to let you know that. <laughs> right? No, what, what it's happened? his idea, not mine. Before the full-time ride, there were lessons to be learned. Both for the owner and father, and for the driver and son. So I'm driving the Wrangler car in 1997 in mm -hmm. Charlotte, and we're fast. We're like eighth on the board. We're going to tape it off and qualify go, or go make a mock run in practice. We didn't know that we should probably put tires on too, so we had these 30-lap tires on and taped it off, <laughs> like oh a God. recipe for disaster. <laughs> and sure enough, through three and four, I'm coming through the corner, and this 
it come around and I bounced in the fence and we loaded up and I think my career's over. Over. Right? Yeah. And um I go I had Punch I had a friend with me named Punchy and, and another guy. And uh we rode over to my house and grabbed a uh bottle of vodka and put it on this coffee table in front of me and I got my cigarettes I'm smoking I got a big old pile yeah. I got an ashtray ashtray full of cigarettes Punchy and the other guy God, I can't it wasn't Terrell it. was it I don't think it was yeah. are sitting on the couch across from me as a love seat and we got our shoes kicked off and we're sitting there and I'm just no we're not talking not jovial at all <laughs> and I'm like man I don't know what I'm gonna do this sucks I can't believe it I'm uh, not gonna run the race and I wrecked a car only car I got I didn't know it, but they had brought the car over to the shop, and yes. we're working on it. Yep. The guys that were helping me, now they're I'm 50 yards away from them or just across the street. They're at the shop cutting the car apart to get yep. it fixed. And you don't know that? No. No. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. And so the door swings open. It's a double-wide trailer I lived in. And the door swings open, bam, slams against the washer and dryer. Yeah. Clomp, 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 boom, boom, boom. Dad comes walking in. He looks over at my buddies and goes, get your f- shoes on and get off my property. Yeah. And they grabbed their shoes and took off out the front door and choom, drive down the road. And dad looks down at me and goes, what in the hell are you doing? They're over there working on your car right now, fixing it, cutting the frame. I'm like, I didn't know they were there. I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah. They're fixing it? Yes, they're cutting it apart. I'm like, they're, we're gonna, they're gonna, you're going to fix it? He's like, yes, yeah. we're going to fix it. I'm like, not for the race set weekend but yeah. like i just thought i was done so we went outside and we went had, outside on the front porch yeah we're on the deck because i was with them you were with he, dale yeah i was went, went over there with dale yeah and so what was he saying when he's driving up the driveway um he was just mad right at first he i think at first he was just gonna check on you oh and then he was mad as hell because you were drinking hanging out with your buddies and the guys over there you know working working so it pissed him off, and then he went spike pissed. You know, like he was. So he, we come through. We sit out in the front porch, and then, and I, and this is something I, I don't know if I should share, but I'm gonna share it anyway. He goes, he starts yelling at him about getting his together, about getting his life together, figure out what you're gonna do. I'm trying to do all this stuff for you. And Junior is the first time I saw him do this, and he looked at him. He says, "Dad," he's, he didn't call him Dad. He looked at him. He said, "And I'm gonna use your vernacular." He goes. I ain't been a pimple in your ass for the last 10 years. And all of a sudden you can come over here and get start telling me all this stuff. And all of a sudden, like it meant something. And Dale's face changed. Now, I don't know if you remember saying that or not, but his <laughs> face changed. And I was like, that was one of those. I've had moments like that with my own son. And you know, I finally, I finally told him one time he was yelling. I was yelling at him one time in his room and he looked at me and I, I stopped and I said, you're right. And he was, what? I don't, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do because I was always yelling at him. He was like, I didn't know what to do. And I saw Dale's face change, and I was like, this is a father-son moment, and I walked away. And I went out, I went out and sit out in the truck and let them talk for a little bit longer and finish up Yeah. because you stood up to him. Yeah. It was the greatest conversation we ever had. Yeah. It was the first conversation, like first real talk we yeah. had. And he, he went from, you're f***ing up. You're you're making all you know. You got to get your ass in gear to like explaining to me, not like you know, yeah. not like he told you he was building it for you. Yeah, he was like, was hey, the first man. time he told you that. Yeah, it's the first time he really let me understand. Like, like this is for you, man. This is happening. All this is this is for you. This is and we had a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I'm glad I said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you, that's exactly what you said. I haven't been a pimple in your ass, and all of a sudden now, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweating just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Ah. All right, I'm going to come over here. I'm going to hang out by the truck. <laughs> yeah. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside, and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. 
There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Here comes Earnhardt. He brought it down the less than a car left, down the back straightaway. Boy, does he get off the corner. He does. That car has been hooked up all day. We've talked about it several times, and right now is when it really counts. In 1998, Dale Jr. went full-time Xfinity Series racing, and Steve Park got the opportunity of a lifetime in the Cup Series. That's when I asked the question, you know, do you think I'm ready? He says, well, do you think we're ready? And the answer on both sides was no. I wasn't ready. You know, his team wasn't ready. But we both knew that we could develop that team into a team that was capable of winning races. You know, we were just hoping we had the time on our side because, you know, this sport is driven so much by the sponsors that, you know, we didn't have 15 years to develop a race team. You know, we had three. Mm. So we, you know, we had to work hard and uh, one thing, you know, I've never shied away from is hard work. So uh, the more of a challenge and the harder the work, you, the more you dig in and, and make things happen. I, I, I remember sitting down with a couple of sponsors that we had too. And uh, uh, as we started running in the Cup Series, I think with Burger King on a part-time basis, um, he adamantly told some of the CEOs, he said, you know what? He said, you invested your money with me and my team and we're going to win races he says we're not ready to win right now but when we are he wanted to build his own cars he wanted to build his own engines because he wanted to control everything you know not being controlling but he wanted to if that engine wasn't good he wanted to walk in the engine shop and rattle some heads and say why is our power not good if our cars aren't good he wanted to go in the fab shop but once you get that winning combination, well, now you have it you know, be behind closed doors. You're not buying it. You're, you're, you're hiring the people. You're putting the right people in place. And, and I, th- just, I just think it makes the wins that much more enjoyable. Your dad didn't go out there and pilfer all the best people from all the teams. He was going to do that over a long, slow period of time. Mm-hmm. But anybody that he walked over, if he walked over to any organization and said, to a fab guy, an engine guy, or anybody and said, I need you. Yeah. He'd say more than that, but he would you know, he would tell them yeah. and they would come. Right. We were gonna have the best people. Yeah. We had the best sponsorships, the biggest sponsorships. Mm-hmm. This machine was going to be unstoppable. DEI's trajectory was rocketing. Steve Park was full-time in the Cup Series, then Dale Jr. Well, he took full advantage of his opportunity, and he ran with it. He's gained, but he doesn't have time. What a day in history. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will win the Coca-Cola 300. 1998 and 1999, the coming-out party for Dale Earnhardt Jr. 13 wins and two NASCAR Xfinity Series championships in a row. But Dale Earnhardt Jr., has been the man of the day. And all eyes are on 24-year-old Dale Earnhardt Jr. Gentlemen, start your engines! And the one that everyone is talking about, his first Winston Cup appearance at 24 years of age, Dale Earnhardt Jr., number eight, his grandfather's number. With Budweiser on board, 2000 was Dale Jr.'s big break. All eyes were on him as he moved full-time into the Cup Series in the DEI number 8 car. Dale Earnhardt Jr. looking back at his father, but in the corner, two distinctive different lines through the racetrack. Meanwhile, Ron Hornaday, a two-time Truck Series champion with DEI, was to slide up into the Xfinity Series seat with new sponsor, Napa Auto Parts. Hornaday hugs the inside groove and now out of turn four, 42-year-old Ron Hornaday takes the win in the Econolodge 200. Y'all had a lot of success together, um, won a couple championships, and you got an opportunity to get into the Xfinity car, and 
What was the difference, I guess, for you getting out of the truck and into the Xfinity car? Yeah, I think you take you took pretty much most of the same guys from that truck team yeah. into that deal. Yeah. How 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 was that transition for you? Well, the biggest transition was how the shop was growing. Trying to keep building teams is your nobody knew what your dad plans were building a cup the team. Vision, you, yeah. yeah, you know. When I got the opportunity to go to Daytona in the AC Delco, what was it? No, it was Napa. Napa. Yeah. It, that's the Xfinity call. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. when I called uh, Bob Fisher from Palmdale Chiropractor yeah. and said, hey, we're going to Daytona, buddy. Earnhardt, yeah. you know, and it was the coolest thing. So I you, still have my fire suit and my stitches. You know what you ever seen when Michael drove the, the following year in Cup or the, later down the road yeah. and, and they, they showed the big wreck down there at the Napa? That was me and the Nationwide at the time. Yeah. Or Xfinity. And, uh, had it saved and float up and somebody runs in the back and you're now you're sliding through the grass and somebody's there and I T-bone him. You know, it's like slide, slide, slide. Had my seatbelts too high. Had to wear a full face helmet. Come down and cut my chin. That's where I got the scar from. My wife, you, you've seen my trophy room. You haven't seen it lately, but I mean, it's smaller now because I sold the big house, but she kept all the graffiti if you want. She's kept everything. Well, she's kept these stitches with my fire suit stapled in a plastic hilarious. bag with the little drips of blood on there for my oh, first, first race at Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have been 2000, because yeah. yes. this would have been you'd have gone to Cup. Yeah. You had been running the trucks for DEI for four years, right? And then he goes to Cup as a rookie, and now you're in that Xfinity car right. with Napa. My question is, what was your ambitions at this time? I mean, did you go to DEI in 95 or 96, whenever it was, when wanting to get to Cup, wanting to get to Xfinity, or just or were you just along for the ride, sort of like the you know your, your whole history in racing? Is that you were just going to race and didn't really think much about the future? Where were you at mentally in that state? I never thought of anything. Didn't I, just, I just wanted to race, and this guy's paying me $60,000 a year to drive his truck. Hell yeah, yeah I'm going. I mean... I just loved racing. Yeah. I mean, it didn't matter what it took. I mean, I, I drove people's race cars what I shouldn't have because they were scary. But, I mean, I just you learn. You learn by driving, uh, we call them boxes or, or good cars or bad cars. You learn something every time you get in something. So, I mean, I just wanted to race. And then when, when I got the opportunity, I did. And, and so uh, you would have brought your truck team to that deal because you basically took your Xfinity team or your Bush Series team and yeah. took them to Cup, right? right. That's Pops, that's all, you know, the Uries and everything else, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so what was that year like uh, running Bush? It was cool. I mean, I big shoes to fill. Hornaday won twice that year, but the year 2000 had an even bigger milestone. I'm telling you what, to get everything they possibly have in their body, trying to get to a victory lane. DEI's first cup win on August 13th at Watkins Glen International. Steve Park is going to win the Global Crossing at the Glen, his first NASCAR Winston Cup. It's just unbelievable, Jerry. I just like to thank God. I like to thank my family, my mom and dad. They're not here. I wish they were here. Uh, just, it's emotional. I got to thank Dale Earnhardt and, and Teresa and Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and Penzo. Man, I don't know what to say. They've stuck by us through thick and thin, man, broken bones and everything else. And we told them we'd bring them to victory lane, and they stuck by us. And here we are in victory lane. And, uh... It was also Steve Park's first career cup win, and he did it in his home state. In the URI, it was amazing. And, and, and you don't think about that stuff when you're behind the wheel of the car. And um, so I tell people all the time, I mean, you know, watching – Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart and, and Mark Martin and, and back in the day, Terry Labonte, the Iceman, he was he was hard to beat on a road course at times. And, you know, to, you know, to put yourself in a position where you can win and when you do win, you know, what happens is you look back on it after victory lane, after inspection, after you're home for a little bit and you say, man, I just beat all these guys. You know, I mean, I remember as a kid, I just wanted a shot. I just wanted to have an opportunity to get there one time, try to stay there, try to, you know, chart my own course and, and, and try to win. Because if you do win, you beat all these people that, you know, were heroes of mine growing up, you know, back in the Richard Petty days. And then in the era that I drove when you got Tony Stewart and uh, Jeff Gordon and Mark Martin and Terry Labonte and, you know, all these different guys, just the elation came from realizing that you just became the best of the best. But... You're only good like that for three days, I think, because well, come Thursday you're at the next track and now you're 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 back, back to zero, scrapping, back to zero True, scrapping. But, but it also was a come up for DEI. I mean, yeah. I mean, like that was the new uh, DEI's here. I mean, like, like it's legit. Mm -hmm.
NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display. On Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at nascarhall.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or the property. It's the location and neighborhood, Dalton. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when we say in-depth, we're talking deep in-depth. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, a home, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. In 2000, DEI became winners on the cup level. But remember Michael Waltrip? Well, Dale Earnhardt didn't forget about his pal. He raced with me on the track and he thought that I could win if I had the right opportunity. And the reason why I got to drive the Wood Brothers car in 96 was Dale told Eddie and Lynn that he thought they should put me in that car. Mm, really? And, yeah. I did not know that. Yes. Wow. And that's, that's the reason why I got that ride. So he couldn't put me in one of his yet, but he wanted to make sure that I had something good to race. and. We were able to, to run well in the Wood Brothers car, and then uh, eventually that ran its course, and, and I went to drive the seven car for, for Jim Smith, and we we ran in the top five a few times and, and had a chance to win a couple of races. And it was coming to, to late 2000, like August, and we didn't have anything signed with Jim for 2001, but Jim wanted me to drive it, and I'm like, well, you know, I just felt like I'd wasted so many years re-signing and I didn't, I shouldn't feel it. I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And one day Dale's, Dale's at Richmond or I think it's, I don't remember where we were, but he said, have you, you got something for next year? And I said, yeah, I guess. He said, well, hang on. I, I'm working on something. I like when I do Dale because I'm always yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you notice yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I got something figured out. <laughs> and so he he um he, he had Ty call me and said come to the shop and we, we 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 talked about 2001. He said I think I'm gonna close my Bush team and I'm gonna have three Cup cars. I want you to drive one of them. And I said yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And he said all right, give me a few days. I'm gonna work on it. And so they went down to Atlanta and talked to Napa and called me back and said we we got it worked out. We want you to come drive for us for for um as our third car in 2001. The addition of Michael Waltrip to DEI came with a major subtraction. How did the split end up happening? You don't want to hear about that. Why not? I thought I was going to kill Ty Norris, but... <laughs> you don't have to throw anybody under the bus. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Oh, yes, I do. All no. right. It was... Uh, I don't have to throw nobody under the bus. It was re-sign year. About going back up there, Napa's pretty happy. You know, a lot of the guys, Napa guys hang out. Yeah. Not, not the two big wigs. Been You've had here. one year in the Xfinity Series. You won two races. Mm-hmm. And so... We probably should have won three or four more than reasonable that. season. Yeah. yeah. I think so, but... Right. Didn't know what the expectations was, but I had to go re-sign my new contract, I thought. So I got called up to Dale Earnhardt and said, yeah, 
give me an extension on there. And Ty grabs me and takes me up there, and uh, he said, Dad wants to talk to you. Sit down on the chair right across the street, right across from your dad's office. And he says, uh, you might have to look at your options. I said, what's that? He said, you might have to look at your options. I said, well, I don't have no options. What are we talking about? And he says, well, Napa wants to go a different direction, and uh, they, you're not going to be the driver. And this time the phone rings. Hello. Now, hold on one second. I got to take this phone call. Can you step out? I said, Ty, I said, you're firing me and you're, you're taking a phone call? <laughs> and Ty says, come on, honey, come on, come on. And I did the old pissed off at Ty. You knew what was going on. You didn't tell me the whole deal. And I took out down the, I didn't walk that, go down the elevator. I ran down the stairs, jumped in that truck, and I did a big old burnout and got up halfway and start, stopped and looked at the shop. I said, hey, honey, I called my wife. I said, um, I think I got fired. I got Dale's truck. Do I take the truck back or do I go home? He's going to go home cool off. Well, Tom, I got home. Your dad called and said, hey, that was Mike Elton. I didn't mean to blow you off that way. Just calm down. Come see me tomorrow morning. So he went and seen him the next morning. He says, hey, I'll help you out doing anything you got to do. This is not my decision. This is, you know, a corporate decision of everybody we got to do to make our business better. I said, I, I totally understand. But it threw me off guard because you took the phone call. And it really made me mad. And, and that was part of it. But we become good friends after that. I mean, yeah. And we never got to the point of Mondays. Monday night thunder. If Teresa didn't call, oh God, we had a hell of a time. Oh, that, hanging out at the farm. If if, if you know, <laughs> oh, in the dairy shop talking racing. If you he see, wants to uh, divert away from this this sad no, conversation. Not, no, to, it's sad. No, it was sad. No, it was actually. And then he got me to ride with AJ Foyt, and I got them cup racing. How did that happen? Oh, he helped you. Oh, he helped me. Yeah, he's he's one. Of, it's one of them things. It's like. You can MF me, you can do anything you want to do, but he said, I can help you or hurt you in this series, Ron, you know, in, in NASCAR. You know, he's a big influence in, in racing. And he's definitely helped me along and always took me. He, he, he treated me like a kid. And uh, he said he got me into AJ stuff. Yeah. Without knowing any better, I would say that the is it true the situation was that Napa wanted to go cup racing? He was starting to cup the new right. cup team. Exactly. Did he put Michael in? And that was the, that was the situation, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did he but, continue the Bush team or no? Was that it? No, that, that so, was it. That was yeah. it. A three-car cup team. Steve Park in the Pennzoil 1, Dale Jr. with the Bud 8, and Michael Waltrip in the Napa 15 Chevrolet. Heading into Daytona in 2001, DEI hadn't just arrived. They were a force that had the entire garage looking their way. The sport was on this trajectory, and we were right at the front of that wave, and we were catching. We were catching the Hendricks of the world, and we were catching the, the, the big teams of the era, and Roush was kicking ass every time he turned around at the time. And we were right there with them, and we were coming coming on their heels, and we were we were like... We, we are building something really special here. Your new home for NASCAR presents the 43rd annual Daytona 500. The biggest names are here. Dale Earnhardt's won everything to win in Speed Weeks. Only once the 500. All right, thanks for listening to that special edition of the Dale Jr. Download, the DEI Days. It's a lot of fun to really look back on some of the things that we've done together on this show at Dirty Mo Media. Really proud of that. And it's cool to be able to, you know, that we've interviewed so many people that we can kind of put together these cool shows around one subject matter or topic. We'll be back as usual next week with a guest. Oh, he's a Daytona 500 winner.
Check out Dirty Mode Media. 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 Check out Dirty Mode